Good evening, everybody. Uh, happy Thursday evening. Uh, I know it's Thursday because tomorrow I leave for Flagstaff and then uh, Saturday headed to Boise, Sunday, Coeur d'Alene, home on Sunday night, court appearance Monday morning. So our guest tonight is Pastor Rick Brown. I wanted to take a minute to introduce all of you to him. This is a very critical uh, live stream because for all the folks who call God Speak Home, I want to introduce you to who will be one of our pastors on staff. Uh, Pastor Rick, uh, you're going to get to meet him in a little bit, and uh, David and I are going to ask him questions, but I wanted to share with you the reason why Pastor Rick's coming on board. Uh, Pastor Rick has been the pastor of uh, one of the largest churches in Idaho, and uh, yeah, fair enough. No, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, Go whatever. With it. Go with it. Yeah. We're going to need a little more energy tonight. <laughs> I love, uh, you know. All that business, but right. size, it's fruitful. There you go. It's fruitful a, ministry. That makes me happier. Yeah. <laughs> and and let, let's, let's cover that because that's yeah. critical. Because, yeah. uh, and the reason why I brought up at least the, the size of the fellowship is because right. we're, we've been kind of inundated with more people than right. we have ever experienced before. Yeah. And management for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like in and out burger. I, I don't do chicken nuggets. I don't do salads or parfaits. I just, we, they just do burgers. I, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm a one trick pony. And, and to minister to a fellowship uh, that, that God has blessed us with ever yeah. increasing, yeah. there's a lot of needs in the body. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted everyone to meet you because your wheelhouse mm -hmm. and, and your strength is really ministering to the body at large. I mean, you are, as far as my estimation and, mm -hmm. and how I've come to know you, we, we briefly met each other when you were serving in San Jose, and then I came in after you right. working with Don McClure. Yeah. Then you went to go plant the church in Idaho, and I, I remained in San Jose. Mm -hmm. But the, the gifting that God's given Pastor Rick is um, so unique. And, and even now, you have a ministry across the country where mm -hmm. Uh, you, you consult churches to mm -hmm. help establish yeah. management systems to mm -hmm. uh, minister to the entirety of the body itself. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this is so, it's so pleasing and it's such a blessing to me because mm -hmm. I, I know what is needed, mm -hmm. but that's just not my wheelhouse. Right. And yeah. then the Lord brought us together serendipitously. Mm -hmm. You, you mm -hmm. came to visit uh, Craig and Lauren Lindquist, yes. who yeah. also served in San Jose, right. and they were missionaries in Uganda. Yeah. And you came to visit them, and then you and I sat down, and you shared with me what you do consulting-wise with mm -hmm. churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Lord just quickened my heart, and I was moved by it. Mm -hmm. And then we had a chance to just yeah. talk. Yeah. And this has been a process for over a year now. Right. And, uh, and just as we were getting ready to move in that direction, mm. uh, the, the scandem scandemic or panda, I can't remember what it is, uh, the COVID thing, uh, yeah, the China thing and that, that hit and, uh, we, we were kind of put on hold, the, the entire yeah. country was, yeah. and then, uh, we kind of just tabled that. Yeah. And then as, uh, I was being requested to go here and go there and the schedule's been mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. I was just putting it before the Lord that if, if like I'm going to be gone this Sunday mm -hmm. 
and, uh, and I'm burdened. I, I hate it when I'm out of the pulpit, and I try to do less than two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. But in, in this next 30 days, I'm going to be gone twice. Mm-hmm. And, and the demand seemed to be increasing. And I just put it before the Lord and just said, you know, God, where, what, what do we do at this point? Because mm-hmm. we've got some guys on staff that are gifted in teaching. Mm-hmm. But to make it in such a way where it's just not someone teaching, but somebody who's going to bring an element that we're lacking in the fellowship. Mm-hmm. And again, the Lord put it on my heart, you. And I recalled that you had sent me a text and I've, I've got, what, 500 unanswered texts. So I had to scan through this and, and I found it. And, and there it was, you were, you're pointing out that uh, you, you're at a critical juncture mm-hmm. and what are we going to do in relation to this? Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so fitting and mm-hmm. responded and you said, yeah, yeah. let's do it. So uh, we have two ministries that require us to be gone at, from periods of time. Yes. And yours is the consulting. Mine mm-hmm. is obviously working with Charlie and doing mm-hmm. stuff across the country yeah. to educate pastors on, mm-hmm. on civic engagement in the public yeah. square. Mm-hmm. And the congregation has heard you minister before, mm-hmm. and they're going to get a chance to hear you this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I wanted them to learn about you. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to introduce everybody to you. And so with that being said, and, and he's got one of the coolest testimonies. He's one of those guys where I've said it before, but I, I mean it. I wish God had made two of him and none of me. Uh, <laughs> and how old are you? I'm 55. He's 55. I'm 56. He looks like he's 30. I look like I'm 70. So uh, <laughs> genes wise, uh, he's, we got to figure out what he does. Uh, maybe it's a thing. Every time... Uh, it, Either of us have an urge to exercise. If we lay down, it goes away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you put him far away from me. It doesn't compare as easy. <laughs> and 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 your wife Tammy has a remarkable national ministry, and yes. I want you to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but but Rick, share with everybody this this testimony. I've come to just be moved by. Mm-hmm. And you know, you you got a rodeo background. You, yeah. Yeah. Come on, bring it. And, and, and tragedy in your family, in many senses, your wife's side. You can yeah. go into whatever you want. But yeah. Well, I'll uh, try to give a, a brief description, brief testimony, and then you can extract more information at any point you want to because it's rather a long saga. It's kind of a trilogy. If you, Trust you know, me, like, the, the folks tuning in on the live stream, they're used to long sagas. Uh, they, they tune in to cure their insomnia. It's good. And, and, we'll put yeah. them to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and, and you do it every night, every day of the week, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it can go on and on. They, the only thing they request is that we have it later. The people on the East Coast are like, this is a perfect time. 10 yeah. o'clock, I'm ready for bed. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> folks on the East Coast want us to go a little later, so we're struggling over it, yeah. Uh, so um, uh, I grew up in Idaho. I'm from uh, that realm. All my people are in Idaho. And um, my my mom and dad got a divorce when I was five years old. And then she remarried um, a guy by the name of Tony Hope, my stepdad, uh, when I was six. And uh, he had a really interesting background. His dad was a um, cinematographer in Hollywood, won three Oscars, uh, one for the um, John Wayne movie, uh, The Quiet Man, when he's in Ireland, the boxer right. movie, and he won an uh, uh, Oscar for that one. Uh, uh, she, M- Marino hair? Right, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, she wore a yellow ribbon and then one other. And... Um, uh, so he, he came from a very privileged background growing up in Bel Air. 
uh, but he was just a, a wild guy. And so by the time my mom married him, he had just uh, done a stint for about mm, six or seven years in the California prison system, was put into Chino, went to a work camp, uh, escaped, went to Davis, ended oh, wait, up in... I, I got to get comfortable on this. This is good right went, here. Went, back, went to San Quentin. And so he had been out briefly before um, his original charge was uh, um, armed robbery. That was his thing, armed robbery. And so at one stint, when we were even with him in uh, Phoenix, I asked him how many he thought he had done in total through his criminal career. And he said, probably between 30 and 40, I lost count of armed robberies that he did, you know, convenience stores, things and different things. Well, my mom marries this guy uh, after he had been out of San Quentin for about a year. How many many kids in the family? Uh, Four, and I'm the youngest. And so I was six. Uh, they had this stormy world, uh, you know, romance and got, we went to Vegas, they got married, and then we went to Bel Air and met his uh, Hollywood, they're basically um, Hollywood gold in Bel Air. They didn't know what to do with these Motley kids from and, and Idaho. You still, you still had a relationship with his family, even though. Yeah, 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 even though it was very, very strange. But anyway, that influence, uh, we're here in Thousand Oaks, so. We lived out on the Agura Ranch where he uh, trained horses when I was a kid. I came to the second grade here. You were doing, excuse me, but you yeah. were doing a biography on him or a story on him. That's why You're I came to, that's why I came to, Craig and Lauren Lindquist yeah. had a, and said, hey, when you have a chance, come visit us. So we thought, we'll go visit and I'll interview my two uncles that are here. Still, they were uh, um, both retired from the movie industry. And uh, so I wanted to go interview them. And we came to church and then we started visiting and you're asking me what I'm doing. And I said, well, I do this ministry, Kingdom X, expanding God's kingdom through uh, leadership development and vision development. Anyway, so uh, we had a really wild life being raised by this guy, this ex-con in and out of prison. The last time, it was six years, but they were all my formative years. So from six years old to uh, 12 um, it was just this chaotic, crazy thing. And Did any uh, substance abuse, alcohol? Oh, that's that's a funny story. I mean, just the, I mean, he put the fun in dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, drinking, drugs, whatever. He did a he he did a stint when we moved to Phoenix for selling ten hits acid to an undercover narcotics officer. Oh, um, he, the last time, which kind of rescued us in a sense from his craziness because him and my mom had split up and they were going to get back together. Uh, he stabbed a guy five times. Uh-huh. And, uh, so that kept him in jail for three and a half years till I could grow up to be about 16 when he got out. And then we started back up with our relationship. Uh, and we started framing houses up in Sun Valley and, uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. And there was and, no church in your life. No, nothing. well, I would say probably I went to church a handful of times that when, um, when he went, uh, went to prison, I, my dad became born again and was a Christian and I worked for him for the summer and he took me to church a number well, of, you're talking about my real father, your, your biological my, dad. Yeah. And, uh, 
And, and I had been to church a, a few times when I was a kid, maybe a handful. So my grandparents on both sides are Baptists. They're Christians. They went to church every Sunday. And they would, anytime we'd stay with them, they'd drag us to church. But, you know, when you're a kid, you just go to sleep on the pew. You don't know anything. Or they put me in Sunday school, and I was asked questions I knew nothing about because I didn't know anything about the Bible. And uh, church you did, was kind of When you're that young, place. you just say Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I found that out. That's the answer <laughs> to everything, right, with the, yeah. with the kids. But um, so... I uh, uh, just lived a really crazy life by the time I was a senior in high school. Did any of his <clears throat> substance abuse rub off on you at 16? Oh, yeah. We were doing, well, this is because you were showing me the clip earlier about Ronald Reagan when right. he was governor of California. So when we lived on the Agura Ranch out here, I was seven years old and it was the first time I got drunk. So he had a horse training buddy that worked at the Reagan Ranch down the road from the Agura Ranch. So we went over there to his birthday party. And all the horse trainers started fe- feeding me ale beer while I'm seven. And pretty soon I was crawling around on my hands and knees, barking like a dog. And then we're going down the 101, and it's a heavy traffic, and I'm having to throw up. So he pulls over once, but then the traffic's too much for him to get back on, you know, once he got off. And uh, uh, so he just said, throw up in the floorboard. And so that was, you know, that was my first inter- But we had been around the drugs and alcohol pretty much from that point from the time she got together with him my whole life. Now, uh, you, you did uh, describe, obviously, unbelievably violent. Was he that way with your, your mom and with you guys? He was not abusive to my mom or us kids in a way that you would, I mean, I guess people today might call it abuse, but he was more, he was seriously verbally abusive and uh, demeaning. And, and that was, he's trying to, he's never had kids. So he's got four kids instantly and he's trying to train them up and he thinks the way to motivate them to the kind of change he wants them to do is humiliation. So uh, when we were out of here at Gura, he gave us four powder blue suitcases and, and wrote on each one of them in huge letters. He gave us a name of what he thought of us. And so he gave my oldest brother this powder blue suitcase. I mean, him and my mom have been married a month, maybe two months. And he wrote in, I mean, full size, the suitcase is this big, huge permanent marker, fatso, for my brother. Because he had a little baby fat, he was like 13 or something. My sister was dummy because she was struggling in school. Well, she had moved schools four times in four years. I mean, the curriculum, she couldn't keep things straight. And uh, my uh, brother, Scotty, the next oldest, put on their rosebud. We're like, how come he gets a good name? You know, we're thinking it's... And then with great relish, she enjoyed this. He said, rosebud's not what you think. Rosebud is a... <laughs> a <laughs> Can I say this? I don't know. This is live streaming. Can I say this? I've gotten away guess. with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, a, a sheep's prolapsed rectum, a rectum that has deformed, turned inside out. And that's what he thought of my brother, Scotty. And for you me, put a lot of thought into that one. Yeah. And then for, then for me, uh, it was goo goo gaga because I was the baby and I was always telling on my older brothers and sisters. So uh, that's his, you know, I mean, that's his training method. And at that time, because he was also trying to put the spirit, he spanked us with a, a bullwhip. And so that was rather significant. And then he slowly graduated to a, uh, a quip or a horse bat like a jockey uses. And, um, but he, I mean, he never hit us in the head or things that uh, <laughs> were off limits. <laughs> but him and my, this is hilarious. Places where the marks would be revealed. Exactly. Yeah. Well, him and my mom, because we had to muck stalls every day at the ranch, and then we were bused to school from Agura into Thousand Oaks. 
And so my sister, who's sixth grade, I mean, it's a girl, she's becoming a young woman, she wants to fit in with the kids. And my uh, folks decide to buy her, this will be efficient, we'll get her bright yellow and green rubber boots so she can muck the stalls and then just wear them to school. And so she comes to school, I mean, dressed like a little vagabond, because we always had hand-me-down clothes, and she's got these rubber boots on for school. And uh, I bet you there's folks right now in Thousand Oaks that remember her. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so the, this is funny, because my sister says, but the black girls showed me the love. And I said, what do you mean? She said, no, the white girls would have nothing to do with me, but there was a table of black girls, and they saw how I was being treated, and they invited me over, and we became friends, and we were chummy buddies because uh, they loved me, you know? And uh, so, you know, that's just, that's what our life looked like pretty much all the way forward. And, um, but then by the time I was, um, I really understood the gospel one summer between the seventh and eighth grade when my dad took me to church. Your biological dad. My biological dad. And it startled me because I realized I need to make a decision. Because I, up until that point, I would say, because my grandparents both had Bibles on their end tables. They were Christians. We would go to church rarely with them, but on an Easter thing here or there. Was it a church locally here? or was No, it- no, there, in, both in Idaho. Um, and so uh, it startled me, and, and I realized I've got to make a decision. And I was already partying, uh, getting drunk. I was already being expelled from school for... Um, Suspended from school, I should say, uh, for trying to spike the school punch and (laughs) all the stuff that we were doing. And um, so I just turned my back. I'm like, I just ignored that I ever understood the message. And so uh, I went to bad to worse through the end of my senior year. My cousin broke a trust fund. He had a wealthy grandfather on his mom's side of the family. And as seniors, we got, he, I said we because I helped spend him, all of it with him, but he got a $36,000 trust fund when we were seniors in high school, and we spent it in six months. And we smoked it, and it all went up our nose, and <laughs> we parted it away in six months. And um, so by the time I was, uh, I had just turned 19, I was in trouble with the law again. I, I went to court uh, multiple times, whether it's illegal consumption of alcohol for a minor, or when 15 I was busted for grand larceny, uh, stole a bunch of camper shells with some guys. And um, uh, the last time, right before I I gave my life to Christ, we beat these guys up real bad. One of the guys about lost his eye, and I ran with really violent guys. I mean, they could fight. They were tough. And um, I didn't really like, I like to, I can fight. I just don't like to do it. So I'd rather, hey, dudes, you know, let's, uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's just get along. And anyway, um, I was in the trouble with the law one more time. And uh, this is a crazy thing. But the guy that we beat up was the bass player in the Calvary Chapel worship band. Yeah. And uh, so uh, his name was Joe Rodney. Where, and, where was this at the in time? In Twin Falls, in Idaho. In Twin Falls. Okay. So uh, um, he went to church the next day. And it was his big, his br- big brother that we beat up really bad and left him unconscious in the street. He about lost his eye. Uh, and, um, but Joe, the next day he was beat up too. He had these black eyes and he went into the church and he, the, to talk to the pastor there, pastor Mike. And Mike said, what happened to you? He goes, all oh, these boat riders, they, you know, beat us up last night. And I don't know. He goes, well, Joe, why'd you come down to church? And he said, well, you know, the Bible says to pray for your enemies. I'm here to pray for their souls. 
I'm pray, here to pray that they'd get saved. I forgive them, Pastor, and I want to pray for them. Will you pray with me for these guys? So, <laughs> I, uh, we, about mm, just a couple of months later, uh, in, a, in a very r- radical way, I, had, uh, w- I woke up uh, in a r- house where I didn't know where I was. I had to go out and find the street sign where I was. You know, you close down the bar, you go to the party, you're in a house, you don't know where you're at. And so... And uh, you're, you're riding bulls, doing yeah, the circuit. Um, yeah, well, me, my brother, my cousins, uh, Tony, my stepdad, the crazy guy, he was a bull rider. Uh, my uncles had wrote, ridden bulls. So it was kind of like, I got on my first uh, calf when I was five. You ride calves, then you ride bull steers, and then you start riding bulls. And so um, all my friends are bull riders. And, um, but I had been at this party, and so I went to the bar the next day and um, with my friends. We just woke up and went to, you know, it opens at 11, so we just went and started all over on a Sunday and started drinking again. And um, Sounds like a Johnny Cash song, quite it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's just our life. And so this... This guy comes up to me. We're at the corner pocket bar. He comes up and says, hey, you know where somebody's got some weed to uh, buy? And I never dealt drugs, but I knew everybody that had them and bought them and used them all the time. And I'm like, that guy over there's got some. And he goes, well, I don't know. And you make the introduction. So I do. We go out to the truck and make the deal. And about a half an hour later, another friend comes up and he wants some cocaine. And, and another guy that I know, he's, you know, uh, not there, but I call him and he comes down. We make the deal. And just on this Sunday, God in his providence, he he had he had a plan for me and i told these guys i said you know what i've had enough i'm going home i'd had like three or four beers i'm like you know got a light buzz i go home turn on the radio there's nothing good on put on, turn on the tv there's nothing good on and i'm just pacing around the house because i'm a restless and this had been going on for months like there was something eating me up inside now i know it's the holy spirit drawing me to the lord but i didn't know what it was it's so fitting because uh when, when we had Sonia on and we talked about the Holy Spirit and then last night with Peggy talking about the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. here, and this is what's happening across the country. This, yeah. He's alongside us and he's, he's bringing people. There's an awakening happening. Yeah. I'm, I love this. Yeah. G- keep going, Rick. This is great. And so he, uh, as I'm just pacing back and forth and for months I'd been waking up and in the morning I would go in and I'd look at the mirror. I'm like, I'm 19, 18, 19 years old. And I'm like, I would tell, have this little talk with myself. You're healthy. Because I was so miserable. I'm like, you're healthy. You got friends. You got a job. What's your problem? You're a miserable wretch. What's your? And I had no point of reference what it was about. I just was. And the the worse I felt, the harder I drank, and the more drugs I did, and the more mm. I just didn't want to be alone. I basically want to drown out this thing that's eating me up. Because every time I'm alone, I start feeling this way. So I go home half drunk after making a couple of drug deals that day, and and I'm pacing back and forth. And you know, it, it's like the Lord speaking to a, Elijah that he spoke to him in a still small voice. And the Lord just spoke to me crystal clear in my living room, nothing, no TV, no radio, nothing on, and I'm half drunk. The Lord said, why don't you pray? And I laughed out loud. It was so real. It stunned, I was all by myself, but I, I laughed out loud and I said, pray? <laughs> and I just started laughing. And then I just started thinking about it. Because I could never remember, this is the, the, the radical thing, I can never remember ever praying to God on my own, my entire 19 years of life. Mm. I bowed my head when my grandparents blessed the food out of respect for them. Right. Or if my dad, you know, at blessed food that summer, I lived with them. But I personally had never prayed. And as I laughed and I said out loud, pray, I was just overwhelmed by the presence of God. It was like the presence of God filled the living room 
and I fell on my knees and I just, I started weeping. I just started like sobbing convulsively. And I, my prayer was so simple. I said, God, please forgive me for all the wicked stuff I've been doing. Um, because I'm, I, I'm only sharing with you the uh, PG stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> let, me, let me interject for folks, yeah. you know, who are going to be watching this and those who are watching now. Yeah. That let, let, I don't want to over mystify this, this word prayer or pray. Mm-hmm. It is real simple as you just described. Mm-hmm. It's just talking to God. That's it. That's yeah. it. You just, you're yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm denying your existence, but there's this impression that I'm supposed to converse with you. And he doesn't, sometimes he speaks in an audible voice. I no. have never heard it. Right. It's more the ear of the mind that it's an impression that you just know he's spoken yeah. to you. Yeah. For me, not only that time, but, you know, through my entire life, when, when I say the Lord speaks to me in a very clear way, it's a thought. Yeah. That is, it's not an audible voice. Like nobody in the room would hear it. It's a, it's a crystal clear thought that my soul is convinced is from another dimension. Yeah. I didn't, you know, cause in your head you have all kinds of thoughts that are bouncing around yeah. and you have, I mean, you have a busy mind. Mine's, mine, mine is just, <laughs> <laughs> but with the busy, but it just cuts through all of it. And it's just a cl- crystal clear impression in my mind that, that happened on that day, the day of my salvation. And when I got up, I had no theology. I had never memorized a Bible verse. I didn't know, I didn't, I've never even heard of John 3, 16. I, I, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. And, um, but I knew I had my life, the presence of God. I knew I was a sinful man in mm. the presence of a holy God. And I asked him to forgive me of all the wickedness. And I mean, I'm crying like I hadn't cried. Well, you know, when you're 19, it's a long time since you cried. And, and I'm so, and then as I'm walking around the room that I was then overwhelmed by, by joy. I, and I was telling myself, I was even saying out loud, I'm saved. I didn't even know what saved meant. I'd heard the phrase when I was a kid. I don't even know what that means. I'm saved. What's it mean? I don't know, but I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that. Yeah. J. Edwin Orr says that, that revival is like judgment day. Mm-hmm. He foremost historian on revival. He right. had multiple yeah. doctorates. You know who yeah. he is, but I'm just describing yeah. for folks who don't. And, and when this conviction mm-hmm. of, of your failure, your sin, your, your, the evil that it encompasses your life. Yeah. God shines into the crevices of, of the, mm-hmm. the nooks and crannies of our soul mm-hmm. and it's revealed in the light and you see it through the eyes of God. Like Peter in the Bible, uh, 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 I'm a sinful man. Yeah. Depart from me, Lord. Mm-hmm. This, this is, this is God saying, I, I know I've known mm. this all along. Now we're in agreement. Right. Exactly. And the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's the foundation of right. a life with God to exactly. say, I see it the way you see it. Now, yeah. what do we do? Mm-hmm. And that's where he forgives. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then that burden is lifted. Mm-hmm. He pays the penalty. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm so moved by this, Rick. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep going. People are, I can, I just know people right now are mm-hmm. being so blessed by this because it's, they, they can relate to it, even though they've never stepped foot in a church before, they can relate to what you're saying. And that's probably the joy for me, just the journey that the Lord brought me on is I hadn't, I didn't grow up in church. So then this whole, this thing to me was such a, I was so overwhelmed by God's love for me to care enough about me to run me down like Amen. this, this heathen dog, you know, I'm living this life that is so far from him and, and he just runs me down with his love. And um, so uh, I go down to the 
Christian bookstore and I buy this, the cheap, because I'm cheap. I buy the cheapest Bible, a New American Standard, but it's a gift Bible. Now, gift Bibles are not meant to be read. They're meant to be given and set on a shelf or something, because I just started reading the thing. I just started, you know, opened up, and I just started reading, you know, a chapter in the New Testament a day, and after a couple of months of just opening it, the binding fell apart, because it's just cheap. You know, it's like a you know, throwaway yeah. Bible or something. And... Um, uh, but I, I wasn't going to church because I didn't get saved around Christians or church. So I didn't know where to go. I went to, uh, uh, I, my dad had taken me to a, a movie one time at a Christian church in town, an assembly of God. And I didn't know it, but they're the nicest dressed church in town. You know, you have those churches that everybody's dressed to the nines on Sunday mornings. And so I got there early. I found out what their service times were. Um, I'm a Christian all by myself, 19 years old. And I drive down there. I have this old beat up 67 Chevy blue pickup. And uh, (laughs) I'm sitting in the parking lot. I'm the first one in the parking lot on Sunday morning. And then I watch all the cars come in with all the families. And they get out. And every guy's in a suit and tie. And the ladies are, I mean, they're dressed in the nines. Even the little kids have ties on. And I look down. And I've never, honestly, I'd never owned a suit in my life or a tie in my life. I grew up, you know, my brother and I joke. I said, we didn't grow up in a trailer park, but we were white trash through and through. I mean, that we just grew up poor and uh, poor and rough. And, and so I looked at these people that looked like just these beautiful pictures of Sunday morning. And I looked down and I got my Wranglers on. Bull Riders wear Wranglers. I got my Wranglers on and a polo shirt. And I said, in my heart, I just said, I started my truck and drove off and thought, these people won't accept me. I mean, they're not, they see me like this. They're not going to accept me. And, um, so a few months later, we heard about this Christian uh, rock concert. First of all, I, I, I knew nothing about, this is, you know, 1984, the summer of 1984. And anything they called Christian rock back then was a very, very sad, sad story. Because when you're listening to Sammy Hagar, Def Leppard, uh, you know, the Scorpions, all, all this ACDC. I mean, we were just, the, that ACDC was our anthem songs. Uh, <laughs> And then you listen to Christian music. Yeah. It was painful, yeah. right? Dallas and, Holman praise. Exactly. And, uh, Twyla Paris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bless her heart. You yeah, know, bless, her heart. bless her heart. Bless her heart. Uh, but the thing is, uh, I, I said, do Christians have music? That's, and it was actually, I mean, a r- good band. They were just starting. It was called The Allies. I don't remember. Bob Carlyle that did Butterfly Kisses. This is his band before that. And so they were, they were actually really good. And... Uh, but it was at our old roller rink. We we went to this roller skating rink all growing up. My mom, it used to be Radio Rendezvous. My mom went there dancing and now it's, you know, whatever. And so I said, that's a church now? And it was Calvary Chapel. Wow. And so I'd been saved about six months. And so we went to the church and the guy gets up there. He's got this big, you know, uh, post-70s beard, you know, down to here. He's in tennis shoes. And I lean over, there's a little lady next to me at this rock concert. I said, who is that? She said, that's the pastor. I said, that's the pastor? I thought pastors mowed their lawn in the three pieces. I thought he was with ZZ Top. Yeah, I mean, I, I said, that's the pastor? No way. And I told my bull riding friends, I said, we should come back here on Sunday and see. And he's still in jeans and tennis shoes. And I just said, I can come here. I'll be accepted here. I'll come. And then they just started teaching the Bible verse by verse, and I was hooked. And um, so about that time, in that month or so, I saw Tammy again. Tammy and I had had a stormy romance, went together, broke up, went together, broke up, went together, broke up, went out. How old were you at this point? Well, I was 19, but we started going out when she was 15 and I was 17. And so we went together through high school and then uh, we broke up multiple times. 
and um, we hadn't seen each other. And I heard that she was dating an old bull riding friend of mine, um, a guy by the name of Dave. And so we were at the 4th of July Buell Rodeo and I'm leaving and I walk by Tammy and she's with Dave. And I go, hey Dave, hi Tam. And just kept walking by and I'm just, you know, it's probably, we haven't been going together or maybe seven months, eight months, something like that. Well, she saw me and then she immediately broke up with Dave. That night she broke up with him. And so the rodeo is the next, so I see, go to the next day of the rodeo and I see her again with her best friend, Carlene. And my cousin was getting drunk and really messed up. And now I'm a Christian. I'm trying to do a couple of simple things. This is victory for me in the early days. Yeah, amen. If I can get through this week and not be high and not be drunk and wake up in bed with a girl I don't know, this We're is amazing. Yeah. The sanctification is overwhelming. <laughs> right? yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that's the place that yeah. I was. It's miraculous. <laughs> it's miraculous. It really is. Yeah. And uh, people, people don't understand that when you're first saved and you're coming from where I was coming from and you're trying to, you know, clean up your language. I called my brother and said, how do you, I don't know how to talk because every other word's the F word. Right? I mean, it's like, I'm, I, I don't know how to have decent conversations. They, they said rev- revival in Wales that, that all the minds shut down in the 1800s because the pack animals wouldn't operate without <laughs> cuss words. Without, so yeah. they had to retrain the pack animals. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mule would have stood still too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I called my brother and I asked him, I said, man, how do you talk when you're a Christian? Because he had rededicated his life, you know, kind of secretly before I got saved. And he said, I don't know. And so there was this guy we were really making a lot of fun of. He had become a, uh, we, he got religion and he was saying things like golly gee whiz and ah shucks and behind his back. Jeepers. We, oh yeah. We were just making so much fun of him. But from that point I said, I'm going to be the golly gee whiz guy. I'm, <laughs> I don't care that people are mocking me. I just don't want to, I'm trying to figure out how to honor Jesus. Anyway. So I see Tam, my cousins, I can see where the night's going. It's not going to be good if I hang with him. And so I just asked Tammy and Carlene, Hey, could you guys give me a ride home? I know I said it might be a little awkward. I know you're going out with Dave. I don't, I don't mean anything about it. I just need a ride. I'm stuck here with, and they knew my cousin really well. And they're like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> and so I get in the truck and um, Tammy starts asking me a lot of like really personal. I'm just trying not to even talk to her because, you know, she's with another guy and trying to honor all that. All of a sudden I become honorable about all this stuff <laughs> and uh, never honor, no honor before then. Anyway, she said, no, I broke up with them. And so she called me a week later and invited me to go out fishing and having s'more. So, we went out fishing. And Golly she, gee whiz. Golly gee whiz, right? And then on the second date, she said, I heard you got religion. You got to tell me about this. Because when you come from a small town, I mean like 1,800 people. News travels. News travels. And both the, the, the word was uh, my older brother, Scotty, and I, the Brown br- brothers had got religion. So it was kind of big news for our small little neck of the woods. And uh, she said, I heard you got religion. And I, I smiled and I said, well, I don't know what that means to get religion, but I did believe in Jesus and he's forgiven me of my sins. And she said, well, what's that mean? And I, I knew hardly, I mean, I'd been a Christian six months and I'd started reading my Bible, but I had just barely started going to church. So I had no instruction whatsoever. I said, all I know is you, if you receive Jesus, that he died on the cross for you, was buried and rose from the dead, you're going to have eternal life. You're going to be saved and you're going to go to heaven. And if you don't, you're going to be lost and go to hell. And she, her, she's got beautiful, pale, big blue eyes. And her eyeballs got really big. She's like, well, I don't want to go to hell. And it was right then where I was pulling her up in front of her house to drop her off. This conversation's going on in the truck. And I said, well, you should go in and pray and give your heart to Jesus. And so uh, 
she went in and the next morning I called her up and, and said, hey, did you pray last night? She said, yeah, I prayed. I gave my heart to Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. She said, what do we do now? And I said, <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah, I said, I'm not sure. I said, I guess we start going to church together. I don't know what to get do. Get married. <laughs> yeah, get married. Uh, that, would, that would be a little later. But, um, but Tammy was the first, first person I ever led to Christ. And mm-hmm. so now we've been married for 34 years. I always find it interesting because we have a friend, uh, Joe Salant, that same thing, accepted Christ by himself. Yeah. Like you did. It's a Pauline experience. Yeah. Where, yeah. It's, I mean, Pauline means the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. No one's ever, else, and he just has an encounter with the Lord. And, right. And the, the downside to sharing my testimony is that people hear that and that's what they expect to experience, which is not the case. Yeah. Everybody has a unique testimony. Uh, you know, my, my son gave his life to Christ at three years of age when his mom was tucking him in at night in bed. He never remembers not knowing Jesus Amen. as a Savior. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was the case for everybody? That's the ideal. Yeah, that'd that's be the a, ideal. Yeah, and, uh, you think you have to have a testimony of a car crash, misery, life. And you don't need that. But the greatest yeah. testimony is, yeah. I've never known anything but the Lord my whole life. Yeah. You know, and sharing with my kids, uh, they said, well, Dad, you have this testimony. And I don't even have a testimony. You, I said, you have the testimony I would covet. I, w- I wish I had that testimony. Amen. You know, my, my daughter tugging on my arm when I'm preparing a Sunday mer- uh, message when she's nine and asking me to pray with her to give her life to Christ. I mean, it's, there's nothing richer or no. more rewarding than that and growing up and knowing the Lord. But you got to work with what you got. And uh, so Tammy and I were both saved and we started going to that Calvary Chapel and this is the crazy thing because that bass player is right there but in that six months since we went to court and we settled out of court at the last minute as long as we paid all the doctor bills um, that in that six months before I started going he had moved away to Oregon so and and honestly I wouldn't have recognized him anyway we were gooned up on we were drunk and on coke coke and uh, when we beat him up really bad and um, so I started going to that church and then I started to hang out with the pastor and we went to lunch after a church, uh, uh, after a service. Now I'd probably been going there a couple of years. And uh, so Tammy and I must've gotten married and then we were going and we went to lunch. And one day he was asking me something about my testimony. Sure. And so I shared my testimony that I'd been in trouble with the law. We did this thing with these guys and his eyes, he said, you're the guy. And all of a sudden now, first of all, it's awkward when you're a young Christian to hang out with preachers because you don't know. Yeah. I mean, they eat Proverbs for breakfast. You're not sure if they're a human and how they, yeah. you know. Can they you, see into your soul? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like weird for a non, you know, yeah. uh, church kid. And so when he said, you're the guy, I got startled like, you know. what did I do? <laughs> exactly. It's the same effect that I had for many years. Every time I saw a cop, <laughs> what's in the truck? You know, what drugs, what, you know, what's the thing that I'm doing wrong? And, and I said, what do, you, what do you mean? I'm the guy. He said, don't you know that the Joe Rodney, the guy, that, the brother that you beat up, he came here and he prayed for you. I said, he what? And he told me that story and it blew me away. Um, and the fervent, faithful prayers of a righteous man accomplish great things, yeah. even and, in times of forgiveness. That's right. And, and my, most importantly, and my dad's mom, my grandma had been praying for me all these years. And she, every day, uh, when I got saved and I gave my life, I said, grandma, how, how much did you pray with her? She got mad at me. She said, I have prayed for you every day of your life for your salvation. Every day. Yeah. 
I grew up in Coronado, mm-hmm. and I had come to Christ. And mm-hmm. there was a woman named Leela Dunn who lived across the alley, mm-hmm. and she had survived the sinking of the Lusitania or something. <laughs> Amazing woman. She was. She would walk every day. She was in her late nineties when mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. and just always beautifully dressed and elegant. And yeah. I went up to her, and and I hadn't seen her in years. I said, uh, Mrs. Dunn, it's Rob McCoy. She says, I know. She said, you're a minister. God told me, you know, I've prayed for you every day. Wow. And I didn't even know she was a Christian. Right. Uh, and so that stuff floors you. It that, floors you. That, that's people praying. Yeah, the investment. And because I was raised like a heathen, see, both my, my, my mom and, and my uh, real dad, my biological dad, they grew up in the church. They knew Jesus. But by the time they got married and they had walked away and weren't walking with the Lord through the years that we were raised. So I didn't know any of this stuff. And they, I mean, if you talked, they knew all about Jesus. They had, you know, received him and, but hadn't walked with him in those years. And when I look back, all that God was doing, my grandmother was praying for me all the time. This guy we beat up prayed for my salvation. And my great grandmother, when I was in my mother's womb, she came out uh, from Oklahoma. She was a fiery Pentecostal lady. And she laid hands on my mom's tummy while I was in her tummy and prayed for me for the anointing of the Spirit of God upon me from my mother's womb, literally. Amen. And uh, when I was born, so my dad, after three kids, boom, 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 he had a vasectomy to stop this be fruitful and multiply business. And it didn't take two months later, uh, my mom said, Larry, <laughs> I'm pregnant. And he was so torqued off because he paid good money. <laughs> for <Yeah. that. laughs> he yeah. was so upset. But when he cooled off, he came in and he told my mom, he said, well, he's either going to be the president of the United States or he's going to be a preacher. And so here I am after being a pastor for 30 years, guilty as charged. And, uh, but the cool thing about that process, when I, um, going back to the story of the pastor saying, you're the guy, and I connected those dots and shared that story, a couple of years later, I walked into his office and I wanted to take him for lunch and there was a stranger sitting there. And he, and he, the pastor got this big cheesy grin and he said, you two know each other. And I looked at him and I'm, I'm not very good with names, but I'm really good with faces. And I looked right at him and I said, I think you're mistaken. I, I don't think I know. And the pastor hammed it up for a long time. I said, for goodness sakes, Mike, finally just tell me what, what you're talking about. And he said, Rick, this is Joe Rodney. And I mean, I just like broke all over myself. It was like, you know, man, uh, I'm Joe, uh, I started repenting like it just happened yesterday and yeah. years had went by. And Joe just got up and gave me a hug and laughed and said, I forgave you back then. I prayed for your soul. I prayed for your salvation. I said, well, at least let me buy you lunch. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, so the rest is, you know, Tammy got saved. And then she's, Tammy's got her whole, whole own story of brokenness. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and that's one where she's, she's touched a lot of ladies' lives across the, yeah. the, the globe yeah. um, with what God is, you know, he, he, what, what, Satan intends for evil, God uses together yes. for good, and how the Lord's used her testimony is really profound. So, granted, we typically end around eight o'clock, and 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 I, but but I, and I, we've got time, but I want to get the folks who were going to get a chance to who haven't heard you preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, folks previous yeah. to the church growing have, yeah. have heard the gifting God's given you, and your love for the Word, and. And your unique style of mm-hmm. how, how God has just taken mm-hmm. the absolute of his word and mm-hmm. the variable of your personality and he's mm-hmm. made a message unique unto itself, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. it, it blesses me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, 
I'm not a real attentive person. I, I struggle. That's, I think that's why I became a preacher, so I don't have to listen to other people. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but there is a part of me that I, I, don't, I don't tolerate, uh, you know, bad teaching real well. <laughs> and I am captivated when you teach. God's given well, you just you. a remarkable gift. Yeah. Take us to how you got connected with Don, got into the ministry, if, if, if we can get there, and then what God's called you to do and how you feel drawn here. Just let mm-hmm. folks hear that. And, okay. and if we have go over, we go over, but okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, oh, and, and reconciling with, you know, your stepdad, your, your dad, your, all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. We'll probably have to put that part on pause to, to get Fair into enough. this, Fair enough. the other stuff, but you know, which is a beautiful thing with, uh, you know, we're here in this whole Corona thing and I, I was spending time with my folks are, my dad's 82 and my mom's 81 and they're um, uh, normally wonderfully healthy people and uh, they're a blessing and God's restored uh, relationships with my uh, dad and those things and so my mom has liver cancer my dad uh, and, and lung cancer right now and just but just coming over here I was on the phone with her and my sister they were at the doctor today and seeing how she's doing and Where, uh, where's your siblings at the one that got stuck wearing the green and yellow. That's my sister. She's with my mom right now helping uh, in uh, Jerome, Idaho. If you're watching, hey, I think he's asking, where are they with the Lord? Where are they at with the Lord? Oh, my my mom's, uh, well, she's facing liver cancer. So she's like, hey, this is a win-win. I've had 81 years. Uh, If the doctors heal me up, I love life. And if not, I'm going home to be with Jesus. So she's very peaceful in her walk with the Lord. My dad is a on fire, passionate believer in Jesus, um, uh-huh. my father, and now this um, is my biological, biological father. father. Yeah, and uh, but I just talked to my stepdad, the 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 crazy guy, uh, years ago. Uh, I mean, from all the years, and I just talked to him a week ago, and so I talked to him, and uh, that's another story. But he's a hundred percent blind from a bull riding accident. A bull stepped on his head, and. Uh, back in the day, a uh, bull that I had just got on the summer before, about seven months later, uh, he got on and stepped on his head. But uh, I got lots of <laughs> diversions that will go down. But I talked to him, and, and I, was, I always want to make sure he's starting to have a little dementia, a little loss of memory and things. But he prays every night that the Lord forgives him of his sins and believes in Jesus. Mm. And I asked him, where'd that come from? And he said, well, my parents, he said, took me to church when I was just a kid, and uh, I, I learned about Jesus from the time I was a kid. So uh, in, uh, you know, Bel Air at a Presbyterian church or Episcopalian something. And so he had more roots than spiritually than I knew. Yeah. And uh, now with his very restricted life, he's um, uh, softer towards the Lord. But Amen. anyway, so uh, I went into ministry at the age of, I had been, uh, Tammy and I got married in 1986. We started just serving the Lord passionately from that October on uh, of 86 and have been for all those years. So it's like 34 years. And, um, but uh, in 19, January of 1989, I was at a men's retreat and Don McClure was teaching. Don McClure. It was a uh, joint uh, Calvary Chapel at Twin Falls and Calvary Chapel Boise men's retreat up at Cathedral Pines up in the Sun Valley Valley, uh, area. For folks who don't know, Don McClure heads up the CCA, the Calvary Chapel Association. Mm -hmm. He was the, he's he's started a number of churches, uh, uh, Arrowhead, Calvary Chapel Arrowhead, Calvary Chapel Redlands, uh, Calvary Chapel San Jose. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually, yeah, so. Yeah, 
And so he uh, was teaching it, and what he was teaching had nothing to do with the moment, but it was like that salvation moment when God's uh, such a clear impression came to my mind. It was crystal clear. And I was listening to him teach, and it was an evening service uh, at the men's retreat. And, you know, it's Sun Valley, so there's like three foot of snow on the ground outside. And and the Lord just speaks to my heart crystal clear. You're going into the ministry full time. And I was so startled. By trade, I'd become a tile setter. So I worked in construction. And um, uh, I'm comfortable working with my hands. I come from blue collar people. My grandfather was a sharecropper. My other grandfather was a blacksmith. It's like our roots. And... uh, uh, it was so powerful that I'm going into the ministry full time. I looked over my shoulder like this at the guy behind me thinking, maybe I overheard God talking to him. <laughs> surely God's not. I mean, I really thought it would be legal for, from, for somebody with my background, still not knowing the Bible, like the stories of Paul and his, you know, uh, radical conversion after arresting Christians and murdering them or and all those things. So I just knew from that point, okay, when God talks to me, I just respond. And I went, uh, went into ministry at Calvary Chapel of Twin Falls. I was an assistant pastor there for two years. The Lord uh, moved on my heart to go start a, which is a whole other story, Calvary Chapel of Pocatello. And I was in Calvary Chapel of Pocatello and the Lord spoke to my heart, you're going to start this work, but you're not going to stay here. And so I started praying, okay, what's next? And I'd heard Don McClure had moved from uh, Redlands, a very successful church, to uh, taking over a independent Pentecostal church, Calvary. Actually, it was, a, it was Assemblies of God, I think, yeah. wasn't it? Loose affiliation with them, not an official church. Okay. With Assembly. So it. you you would, you know, and they were independent, but yeah, yeah now that I that was the it. people they were hanging out with. And, um, and so he had been there uh, for about a year. And so I called him and just said, this is who I am. And I want to learn more in leadership. I started the church when, uh, there when I was 26 years old. And so I'm like, I am going to mess up a lot, right? So I should go and get mentored a little more. So Don's kind of the leadership thing. That's, yeah. a, that's his deal. And, uh, and, and leadership with Pastor Don is, hey, uh, throw you in the water. Learn how to swim. God bless you. <laughs> and so I called him and he said, well, you can come down here and check it out. So we came to San Jose, a church that had been d- deeply in debt. The pastor was in trouble with the, you know, he yeah, had to be they, bailed they out. Had, they had uh, they had done a, an investment program with RCDs. their elderly folks. Yeah, yeah. RCD, and then yeah. they had spent the principal, so they were facing like he was probably facing jail yeah, time. Jail time. Yeah, if Calvary Chapel didn't bail them out, and uh, it, yeah, if it, it, had Don and Chuck not come and helped, that that yeah. guy would have been in prison. Exactly, and, and, and deservedly so. Right, but he wanted to help the folks who'd lost their life savings. Exactly. So uh, Don said, "Well, you can come here. You have to live in a Sunday school room." And uh, I lived so in the we, same one. Give me some. So we went there, and the first one was the, uh, upstairs in the shag carpet, like a little closet. Our, we had a, a young ch- uh, child at the time, so that was her her bedroom. We had th- two kids, but did you they, have did you have, the, our, did you have the one with windows? These are not with windows. Yeah, ours they, ours were the interior. Yeah, yeah no windows. So yeah, they called was, our children the cave children because yeah. when they came out in the light, the kids were like bright light, you know. And uh, me, I, I'm gonna interject this. <laughs> okay. This is the very first time I thought this I had is, to... We had the fellowship of the Sunday yeah. school rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This you is guys where... made it. Right. So, yeah. so you turn off the lights, and they were, they were all fluorescent. So you lived in a submarine, basically. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember um, I, I, was, I had to be at the church, 10 o'clock service, yeah. g- get up at 9. Yeah. 
and the alarm goes off. Uh, actually, I woke up before the alarm. I looked over. I'm like, oh, no. You know, it's, it's, it's 9, and I haven't even showered. Yeah. And you have to be there at 9. You don't. Yeah, right. And, and I, I, I didn't want to face the wrath of dawn. <laughs> so I'm throwing on my clothes without taking a shower, just trying to mop my hair down and, and get to services. And I come out, and Kelly, my daughter, she would get up when I'd get up. So she's out in kind of the little TV room, and she's mm-hmm. looking down the door to see if the light's on outside. And, and she goes, Daddy, are you going to church? I said, yeah. And I, and I said, uh, tell Mama and give her a kiss. And I open up the door, and it's pitch black outside. And I'm like, did I miss something? Is this a, What happened? It's, it's bizarre. And I go back. I look, and it's 9 o'clock. I'm like, it's not 9 o'clock in the evening because I know when I went to bed. I go back outside. I look at their clock still. And, and, and I, I realize I'm looking at a you know, two-handed clock. I'm looking at 3 a.m., as opposed to nine. And, and, and my daughter was up, so it had flustered me. That's living in the submarine. You have no idea where you are. Yeah, this, this was insane. Sorry. Yeah. Nobody well, wanted to hear that story. But it's, it's okay. We love it. I, I thought, well, did, I thought did I'd you we, call for that. No, we, we understand the fellowship of yeah. that zone. Yeah. We got there, and we because the church was hurting so bad financially, my wife stood in the, the food the food bank line with the homeless people and yeah, things. We, we, that's, we, uh, they, they couldn't afford a salary for it, so we and, ate harvest yeah. secondhand food. Well, you know, the, the thing that's amazing about both your stories mm. is the commitment of your wives to tag along with you on this journey oh, well, because, yeah. hey, this yeah. is what we're going to be doing. My you, wife you cried almost every day for a year and a half. And uh, Cockroaches so big, they dragged my children <laughs> down the hallway. Seriously, they were huge, weren't yeah. they? They Crazy. were. All, all those things are so. And But we we went there, and I knew, I just asked Don when I came, I'd like to come le- learn some leadership things and then go back out and start a work. He's like, okay, I need yeah. all the help I can get. So I went there and learned so much. And then uh, the Lord called me to go back to Idaho Falls, where I was for 24 years, almost 25 years. So a quarter century of my life spent in a very uh, Mormon community, uh, building a work, a, a church, a Christian school, a Christian uh, radio network, a TV ministry of 15 years, uh, thrift store, coffee shop, any way we could impact the local community, we, uh, gonna, we rocked the house. I'm going to interject this you know. because um, we, we both, you know, trained under Don McClure. Mm-hmm. Don McClure would build these, God would use him to build these amazing churches, especially Redlands. Mm-hmm. And at the peak when they'd have the high school and the elementary mm-hmm. school, the junior high and the elementary and the you know, preschool and the facilities purchased and the debt paid, yeah. he'd just walk away from it and leave it to an assistant and go take over some rambling wreck of a fellowship that's $6 million in debt oh. uh, and, and leverage everything to turn it around. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's who we trained under. And so here, 24 years, pouring your life into it, at the peak of it, God speaks to you. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was planning on, I had always had the vision when I, when I finally settled into the place that God had me, which was there for 24 years. I looked at Pastor Chuck as my model, that I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to spend a lifetime sharing God's word. Yeah. And, and especially in a Mormon community, if you, and if you've never been in that, environment that's very strong and it's very dominating uh in the city of idaho falls when i went there it's like forty thousand people it's 52 percent mormon until you went to the outskirts of town the rural areas now it's 70 percent till you get to uh rexburg 30 miles up the road and it's 95 percent lds that's where they have byu idaho um and so uh the the dominance of mormonism is it's pretty 
tough going for the early days, but God blessed the message of grace. And um, uh, the church grew. So after 24 years, the Sunday I left, there were 3,300 people there to hug and kiss and cry and say goodbye. And, and our school was, you know, we had 400 kids in our school program that went all the way through high school. And just uh, last year, our, our uh, high school girls won the volleyball state championship and, um, and a fo- eight-man football program and football field. We had a 27-acre campus and a radio network that reached all of eastern Idaho. So there's like 400,000 people in all of eastern Idaho. And so it spanned that uh, whole thing with two radio stations and a, and a translator. And so we would have 30 to 50 people an hour come through our thrift store. And uh, so for Easter and Christmas, and uh, we had a big park outreach, three big outreaches, we would be inviting them, you know, you give them a receipt and a flyer to come to Easter. and So they were coming to us. And um, and with that, you learn all the things. For me, the Lord had gifted me in leadership, and we had about 120 people on staff. And learning how to manage all of that uh, and preach and do all that you do is a big learning curve. But that's, that's how God forged everything inside of me that he created. And so I was praying about the next 16 years. So 40 years is my goal. I'll be, I started at 28. I'll be 68 at 40 years. And I was planning out because I'm a real vision planning person. I was planning the next 16 years. I'd been fasting and praying about it. And after a busy weekend, Saturday night, three Sunday services, I drove over to Boise to see my daughter and son-in-law and sleep on their couch and just hang out with them because my wife was in Hawaii with her folks. She went every summer, uh, September with them. And, uh, and I said, hey, I'm going to go down to the coffee shop and and uh, get a coffee and just go for a prayer walk to Monday. It's like recuperation after yeah, every year. You're like, you're, a, you're like a zombie. And so I get this coffee and it's, man, it's a beautiful day, October morning. And I'm walking and I take, maybe I walk not even a hundred yards and the Lord speaks to my heart. Once again, crystal clear. Because I was, had been praying about this. I had a board meeting that Friday to lay out the 16 year vision. Yeah. And the Lord said, this is not my vision. It's not my plan. You're done. You've finished your course. You're done at Water Springs. I want you to hand it off. And I have something new for you. And I was so stunned. When you spend, you know, half of your life, because I went there at 28. Now, you know, I'm now 52 at the time. I'm like, whoa. And now it's grown to the place you can enjoy all the fruit yeah. of all the hard work, right? Yeah, You've worked autopilot. Your, exactly. Great. We had a dream team and ministry. And I said, well, Lord, if this is really you and not, I mean, this is, this is bizarre that you would ask this of me. I, I just told Tammy like a month before, I'm happier than I've ever been in my whole life. This is such a blast. I was having so much fun doing what I was doing. And I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, then these three things are going to happen in the next two days. And if these boom, 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 the person that's going to take it over agrees to take it over. And, uh, you know, not to go into the details of those things, but he said, okay. And so, uh, I handed it off and, uh, prepped the guy, trained him for a month. Phil just follow my footsteps and do this structure that I've given. This thing's like a dream. Uh, it's like getting an incredible, you know, yeah. jet airplane with autopilot. And um, uh, we left 30 days later to start. Okay, Lord, now we started walking by faith. We went there walking by faith. And uh, 
So over the three three years we've been gone, it's three years this next month, um, I started Kingdom X, which is like, if I could just have my dream, what would I do? Well, first of all, there's some there's about three books that I'd like to write. One is my biography that I've worked on and I have about 26 chapters, 100,000 words, and I'm about halfway there. <laughs> and... Um, but I love leadership. I love to see God's people be successful. So that's what I wanted to get, do. And so I just started making myself available uh, to go to churches and help them with uh, leadership development and vision development and um, just see God do a fresh work. And um, that's what Rob and I talked about. And then I came right before COVID. We did through the, these things. And then you know, obviously Rob's very unique in what his calling is with the whole um, political uh, passion. And um, it really resonated with me when I see, I w- I'm a typical Calvary Chapel pastor. I really didn't get, you know, the most political I ever was in my whole life. It was the week before election for George W. Bush. And I said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to plant a bush in the White House this, you know, yeah. uh, week. Um, that's really getting on the edge there. You're like, no, I'm man, out. I'm tearing it up. Right. That's a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we were just really taught and modeled, just preach the word and don't get involved in politics. Yeah. But I really see the deficit. We are to be salt and light and God's people are to have a voice. And I mean, you think about everything that's going on in the country right now and where the church is and even the conflict that's going on with, with meeting on Sunday mornings. I mean, it takes you back to the, the pilgrims came over here just trying to get away from governmental tyranny yeah. so that they could worship according to the Lord. According, I mean, the whole foundation of us as a people is wanting to uh, have the freedom to worship Amen. and uh, produce love, joy, and peace. There's no laws against love, joy, and peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's what we're promoting uh, in God's grace. And so, but we know that the the church will go through conflicts and, and here it's uh, uh, the, such a politically charged issue. Um, but uh, the gospel is essential. God's uh, ministers are essential. and um, The church is essential. Yeah. And the message of the church that, you know, there's an adage that you can live 40 days without food. You can live 10 days without water. You can live four minutes without oxygen. You can't live a minute without hope. And, and the message of faith, hope, and love that the, the, the gospel brings to people that's lives are devastated. And uh, I have countless thousands of people in 30 years of ministry that have gotten saved with, um, that are coming to church. I mean, literally, I had this guy, as one of those guys that you have your security team watch because he'd come in in a trench coat and he, he's just like lurking around. I mean, like that guy makes me uncomfortable. And he was a vet back, he's struggling with PTSD. And uh, every morning when he got radically saved one morning after coming for about three or four months, he said, Pastor, I got to tell you my story. And uh, he got saved on the morning. I shared the, the message about the man of Gadara and that the, the demons, the legion of demons that left the man, went into the swine. and committed legion. Yeah. We are <laughs> and went into the, and, and I said, that's what the devil wants to do. It's just like he destroyed this herd of swine. He was trying to destroy that man's life. And he's trying to destroy your life by killing you and having you take your own life. That guy, he said, pastor. What, so he gave his life to Christ that Sunday. The next Sunday, he said, pastor. He said, I have a revolver. I played Russian roulette. Every Sunday morning for seven Sundays till I heard that message. You know, just the statistics on that. 
click. And he said, he prayed every time, Lord, if you don't want me to go to Calvary Chapel this morning, I'm going to blow my brains out. And it would just click and he'd go to church. He did that for seven Sundays till he got sick. He's like, when are you going to give me the message? I I don't want to go to this church service anymore. No, but he gave his life to Christ. And and I, I don't think people, I don't think people that think churches, we live in an age where the church is irrelevant to politicians or to a generation that doesn't want anything to do with God. And I think that there's a, uh, when you've seen the joy of a pastor's life to see lives changed over and over and over um, is so powerful that you know, you wonder in your mind, if the work of the Lord had not been there for them to go to on that day, would they have got the lifeline? Yeah. Now, obviously God can work in different ways. But my wife put on a Christmas tea and a lady who had just went through a brutal divorce from a very successful doctor had determined she's going to go to this Christmas tea and afterwards she's going to go home. She's going to kill her two kids because she wants them to go with her, kill her two kids and take her own life. And she went to the Christmas tea and gave her life to Christ. Once again, I mean, that, that moment, that opportunity to change a life. And obviously every Sunday is not that dramatic for no, people's lives. But, but, but it is that, it is that critical yeah. at every moment. Yeah. I, I think I want to, I want to conclude the way we began mm-hmm. and it was fitting that you interrupted mm-hmm. me when I was describing you. Mm-hmm. And I state, I stated that you're a pastor of one of the lar- you were mm-hmm. pastor of one of the largest churches yeah. in Idaho and you balked at it yeah. and you balked at it because you do not measure the success of a church by the size. Yes. And, and, and I already mm. knew that right. I was describing it along the lines of yeah. ministering to what God has done here. Sure. Yes. But I, I love that you, you wanted everyone to know that because mm. this is, this is now why we're together. Mm-hmm. You're uniquely equipped to, to care for people in a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Now I love people just mm-hmm. like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not my wheelhouse to be able to, you know, yeah. as, as the Lord said, put them in groups of 50 and right. pass out the, yeah. I, I look yeah. at that. I'm like, uh, yeah, do that, whatever, <laughs> you know, but also your development of people's lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because prior to us experiencing what we went through here mm-hmm. uh, and, and th- the Lord uniquely saying, okay, this is going to be a place of hope in the midst of, yeah you know, draconian measures mm-hmm. and, and tyranny. And yet that Micah and, 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 and Isaac and, mm-hmm. and David Plumley mm-hmm. and James and Tony and Craig and all of them could facilitate moving every moment is because you sat with them mm-hmm. and walked them through processes, mm-hmm. which isn't so, so I'm, I look and I think, Lord, these folks have labored with us and, and specifically labored with me for 20 years mm-hmm. on a road that isn't unique, uh, that's unique to this church, mm-hmm. pastor that's run for office, you know, all the things. And it's, this isn't your wheelhouse, but no. you've come to appreciate no. it. Yeah. And I've always admired how God has used you to just hit to the heart of every individual mm-hmm. and the testimony, especially with you and Tammy, to uniquely minister in that capacity. Mm-hmm. And it, my heart settled, Lord, not only will I be able to remain doing what I'm doing and being with the people I love, mm-hmm. 
but they won't be gypped mm-hmm. because you, you've, you've brought a shepherd to, to, to minister in a way that I'm incapable of doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that to me is what we've always wanted as a place. And I love what you said. It is critical that hope remains. Mm-hmm. The greatest mm-hmm. of these is love. They know yeah. I love them. Right. But, but this idea of there is hope in this building. Yeah. There, there is the presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's a good way to, to end with how we began. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. the Lord has put us together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and to care for all that he would bring to us. Mm-hmm. And where I'm, I may not be equipped to place everyone where they need to go, you are... Mm-hmm the message of hope standing in the face of tyranny and understanding these things, this is a place where you can come and everyone come. We are prepared now mm-hmm. to, to minister in, in, in a great capacity. Amen. I'm thrilled about the folks being with you on Sunday. I'll, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to Idaho. I know I'm coming yeah. from Idaho. Yeah, you're coming from Idaho. I'm going, going to Idaho. Then. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'll be back Monday cause I've got the, the court hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll do the introduction so everyone can get a chance, but Rick, and, and, and if Tammy were here, we'd say the same thing. And David and I both mm-hmm. agree. Welcome mm-hmm. on board. The, the, Thank you. We're going to have a fun ride. Yeah. 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 I, I'm excited about people getting to know about your wife, too. Oh, her, yeah. her heart for healing and yeah. their hurting is going to be another amazing story. It that, is. And she's uh, going to be here on Sunday night. Yeah. So tune in. Yep. 7 yep. o'clock yep. live on Sunday we'll, night. We'll, We'll introduce her and go through the whole thing because she, she has an amazing story that she will does. help a lot of people. Out so you guys age. are going to be the facilitators yes. and Tammy yeah. is, is going to be the rose be with the thorn, thorns. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. She'll, right. she'll have the spotlight. I'm her biggest fan, so it'll be sweet. It'll be amazing. Well, I'm going to pray for you. I typically okay. have the folks that are our guests pray, but I want to pray for you okay. because God has blessed us with you and I, I just want to ask God's blessing upon you. Amen. So Let's do it. Join with me, folks, as I pray for Pastor Rick who is... Now, uh, our, our newest pastor on staff, and mm. we're going to be co-teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, we haven't worked out all the details, but the idea is uh, when I'm traveling, you're here. When you're traveling, I'm here. And, right. and when we're here together, we'll dance, figure that out, and it'll be fun. <laughs> uh, but you're going to be developing the staff and yeah. consulting them and helping them and putting yeah. systems together that will bless the community in a greater capacity and facilitate our ability to reach the nation mm-hmm. with what I believe is an awakening. Yeah. Amen. I think that it's just the beginning of what God wants to do, uh, not only here locally, but to uh, to ease your mind that things are uh, uh, well taken care of here when you're away, and then you can come back to the healthy dynamic. Well, you know, the thing that's been the blessing about the uh, live stream and what Rob's Mm -hmm. been standing up Mm -hmm. for is we Mm -hmm. have so many new people coming in that are looking for ways to get plugged in to be part of the church, and they all have these incredible skill sets that are just needing somebody like you to go, mm-hmm. okay, we can use you here. So yeah. that's going to be a, a huge Because when they blessing. come to me, I go, hey, yeah, great. Why don't you go figure it out? <laughs> yeah. so, I'm just, right. It's on my wheelhouse. Let's pray. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for Rick. I thank you for Tammy. Mm-hmm. I thank you, Lord, for your faithful provision. Um, mm-hmm. Lord, you know what we need and when we need it. And you, you by the economy of your grace, you provide every step mm-hmm. of the way. Yes. And so, Lord, thank you for the folks that you've, you've in your sovereignty and your, your love have brought uh, to, to be members of this mm-hmm. fellowship. And that, mm-hmm. Lord, you've shored up those areas that were weak in order to minister to all you would bring. 
And so, Lord, thank you for uniquely equipping Rick and Tammy mm-hmm. for such a time as this and mm-hmm. moving upon their heart in a season where most people would put it on autopilot and sit back and relax. The two of us in our mid-50s have now been called into some of the busiest seasons of our life. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we're grateful. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's all a venture of faith. Mm-hmm. But Lord, thank you for bringing my brother to come and, and together mm-hmm. we get to serve mm-hmm. and bless your people and be used for your glory. So thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, I pray that Sunday would be a great encouragement to both Rick and Tammy and to the fellowship. Mm-hmm. And for all those who call this God speak home, even though they tune in from across the country, that they would realize that you're doing a marvelous work and, and there's so many lives that you seek to touch and bless. Mm-hmm. And so Lord, thank you. Mm-hmm. Bless my brother, bless mm-hmm. his wife, we ask in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, welcome on board. Fun. All right, well, now your first duty is to uh, bless everybody with number six. It's All your right. turn to get there. You can sing it if you I'm just kidding. I'd do that. <laughs> no, no, you guys should no, sing no, it together. That was happen. awesome. Yeah, yeah, okay. Come on, go for it. <laughs> no. We did it prior to being on, and Dave really enjoyed it, but uh, I think I'll just speak it out. Yeah, speak it out right now. We'll we'll sing it later when we get Hey, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Well, thanks for joining us tomorrow night. Uh, What what did we have? Oh, I'm going to be on with uh, Charlie Kirk. We're doing a podcast uh, tomorrow, and then we're headed to Flagstaff. And then from Flagstaff on Saturday, we're going up to Boise, and then Boise Saturday night land in Coeur d'Alene, and then do services. Paul Van Noy, the pastor up at Candlelight uh, Fellowship, who had contracted COVID uh, and had a 20% chance of living. He's out of ICU. And I will be with him and see him and hug him and rejoice with him. And his congregation is overjoyed by the love and prayers and supports of God speak. And all of you tune into live stream. Paul Van Noy is my hero. And it's my first time to be able to be the privilege to meet him in person. Uh, so excited. So it's going to be great. I'll be back with you uh, next, next week. Um, but Pastor Rick will be bringing the word. And so God bless you all. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow night with Charlie Kirk. Tune in. Good night, everybody.